This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. The Big Bets on Campus podcast is presented by WinBet Sportsbook, and they've got a great sign-up offer for our listeners. New WinBet patrons who open an account and deposit $20 or more can make their first bet risk-free up to $1,000. That's right. If you open a new WinBet account, make a qualifying deposit, and place your first bet within 10 days, that bet is risk-free up to $1,000 in eligible states. To get started, all you have to do is click on the Action Network link in this episode description. Okay, let's get things started. Welcome to the Big Bets on Campus podcast presented by WinBet. I'm your host, Mike Calabrese of the Action Network, and I am joined as always by my colleague, Mike Ionello. Stucky and Colin will continue to drop their weekly college football betting previews late every Thursday night into Friday morning this season on the Big Bets on Campus podcast. But every Wednesday afternoon, Ionello and I will deliver the Group of Five Deep Dive, a short episode covering the best weekly gambling angles and betting matchups across the greatest conferences in college football. And I'm pleased to announce the Big Bets on Campus Bad Beat Hotline is back, 959-BAD-BEAT. This is the number to call when you feel personally victimized by the score of a college football game. Did a college kicker do college kicker things to you in your bankroll? Give us a call. Did James Franklin's time management skills ruin your weekend or family reunion? We want to hear about it. Or maybe an offensive coordinator got a little too cute and called for his quarterback to take an intentional safety, ruining your against-the-spread play. It's happened to us, but we want to hear it from you. So let it all out at 959-BAD-BEAT. So we're going to kick off this week's episode of the Group of Five Deep Dive with something very close to our hearts, because we're positive, guys. It's it's At this point, we're in the black. I believe we we both hit some winners there in week zero. Is that correct? Is my math on point here, Ionello? Yeah, nice, nice, easy first week. Well, let's get to what we want to talk about every single week to kick off the show, which is our G5 Heroes of the Week, the opposite of the bad beats, the ones that are making the magic happen and making us money. So let's hear from you, Ionella. My Hero of the Week is Travis Hewitt. And I know what you're thinking. Who's Travis Hewitt? He is the Assistant Athletics Director of Equipment for Fresno State. He had to bring extra cleats in every size for this game against UConn because the field temperatures were 120 degrees. 
Did I mention it's hot? It's not just a little bit hot. It is so hot, you guys. Fresno State has a contingency plan in place in case their players' shoes melt on this turf because that's something that they've seen happen before. In fact, they brought extra shoes in every size, and they have them on the sideline there just in case that happens. So shout out to Travis Hewitt, the Fresno State Assistant Athletics Director for Equipment while they were running all up and down the field on UConn. The fact that they had that imagery of a sideline reporter holding the old school thermometer and it was just maxed out, it didn't even go any further. Like, how hot does it have to get in Central California for them to cancel a game against UConn? I know that people had that marked on their calendars for years out. You know, when they scheduled that in 2013, they're like, I am going to be in the stands for this UConn football game. But holy moly, it was like their special teams gunners looked like they were going to burst into flames upon re-entry like Tom Hanks and Apollo 13. It was so hot. And a game that was so, you know, inconsequential. I just, I just can't believe that nobody got carted off the field with heat stroke or anything. So that, those are the real winners there. Certainly not my play of over 62 and a half UConn doing exactly 0% of the heavy lifting. I think they just cleared triple digits for total yards. So UConn is uh, back in the doghouse where they belong as far as I'm concerned. But as I said, this is where we get positive. These are our heroes. My G5 hero of the week, Andy Warner. Another deep cut. Who is Andy Warner? Well, I'm going to set the stage for you. Halfway through the third quarter with UCLA leading 44-3 to against the Rainbow Warriors, the Bruins lay the lumber on Dietrich Parson, force fumble, scoop and score, and my under 68 was in big trouble, but not on Andy's watch. After a lengthy review, he determined correctly that Parson's knee was down, overturned the defensive TD, changed everything. Hawaii goes on a four-minute drive. They score, ends up being the last score of the game, zero points scored in the fourth quarter. So Andy, you did a great job. You were right on the money. Keep doing the Lord's work, keeping those unders hitting. Really appreciate it. All right. Yes, now it's both this gave us both a win to start off the year. Made us look smart. That was our pick we gave out on the show. Yeah. And as you pointed out, you know, Chip Kelly went vanilla in the second half, really just so many direct handoffs, dives. They weren't even really reads at that point, taking his foot off the accelerator, trying to prevent LSU from getting any leg up logistically on, you know, what they were trying to do offensively and some of the, the new wrinkles that they're going to put in. So a really good read from you on, on, on that one. All right. We're going to get into all of our picks here. We have so many in week one, week zero, you know, you really had to squint at the card to see some value, but just a huge buffet of games. But before we get into it, because at least for my money, I'm going to be sitting on the sideline for UCF Boise, but this is the G5 premier game. The two teams, East and West, in the country, I would argue with the last 15 years, the premier group of five teams, multiple New Year's Six Bowl wins, the head coaching talent, the NFL talent, the buzz around these programs, the home field advantage on the Smurf turf and the bounce house. This is a great game. How do you view it, whether you're playing it or just from a, a viewing perspective? What are you looking forward to seeing in Gus Malzahn's debut against Andy Avalos in his first game as Boise State's head coach? So I agree with you where I'm probably not playing it as of now. I think there's just too much unknown. I'm curious your thoughts. I feel more uncertain about Gus Malzahn at UCF. Josh Heupel, when he was there at UCF, they ran this extreme spread offense. First in the nation in place per game, you know, 29th in explosiveness. Dylan Gabriel led the country in passing yards. You know, he had the second most attempts per game, fifth in the country in average depth of target. They were throwing the ball all over the yard. 
And then you look at, you know, Gus Malzahn at Auburn, he, he runs that, that putt putt offense. You know, it's like, it's like he's playing mini golf out there. You know, they were 83rd in pass plays per game last season, 79th in explosiveness, Bo Nix. Bo Nix season in full effect. We, we get the sound drop for Bo Nix is my favorite one. Uh, his average depth of target last year was 8.4. That's 112th in the country. Since Malzahn was a head coach, he's only had one QB rank in the top 50 in depth of target. So I think that offense is going to look a lot different. So I'm, I'm very curious to see how it looks. You know, I'm, I hope he doesn't break Dylan Gabriel because he's awesome to watch. And if he tries to turn Gabriel into that putt-putt passer, I'm interested to see what it looks like. And then from the Boise side, you know, I was I would read message boards and stuff. And a lot of Boise State fans weren't that sad to see Brian Harson leave, despite all his success that he had there. I, I don't think the fans ever embraced him. You know, he had clashes with defensive coordinators, with the AD, with the Mountain West commissioner, you know, with fans on social media. And, and then, you know, you bring in Andy Avalos, who he's a Boise State guy. You know, he, he played linebacker for them, spent the last two years as Oregon's defensive coordinator and was very successful there. So, you know, as far as from a handicap perspective, like I said, I'm probably not playing it. If I did, I would probably lean the under, honestly, just because Malzahn's going to slow down that offense. It's not going to be the UCF, you know, air raid, you know, spread it out and, and throw all over the place that we're used to seeing. I, I, Boise State is expected to play a little bit faster. You know, they have the new OC who's supposed to speed up the pace, but I can never decide if I think Hank Bachmeyer is good or not. I think he's pretty good, not great. So I, and, you know, I don't fully trust the Boise State offense to just, you know, throw it all over the yard either. So if I had to handicap it, but another thing that should be noted for this game that, that makes me a little bit nervous too, if, if for any uh, UCF backers, Boise State has a live dog that runs out in the field and picks up the tee after kickoffs. RIP, he passed away last week. So this game is at the bounce house, so maybe doesn't have as much of effect. But if this game was in Boise without their little dog, that's something to keep an eye on. So the only thing that matters in this game is RIP to Cowboy Cole. I, I tend to agree with you. If Boise was starting Jack Sears, who from a physical perspective really opens up their vertical passing game. And I, I think he unlocks the potential of Khalil, Khalil Shaker and C.T. Thomas in a way that Bob Meyer simply doesn't. We got so used to Boise State, whether it was under Pete Kwiatkowski, Andy Avalos as their D.C., of being a you know one of, if not the best group of five defenses year in and year out. And you look at their stats last year, they were a middling team against, you know, the pass, they were even worse, you know, defensively in their front trying to, to bottle up running games. And I think for those reasons, if I were to play it, I think this is trending more towards a high scoring game. But I agree, all the concerns that you listed out kind of systematically going back to how does Gus Malzahn transition from more of a dink and dunk run oriented offense to something that's opening up closer to what he had with Jared Stidham. But really, the ceiling for a passing game is much higher with Gabriel. And I, I just wonder if he's got, you know, the play calling chops to, to go away from his bread and butter. And this may be a live play for me. All right, getting into some of our best bets that we are excited about for this week. I'm going to go out and throw Western Kentucky. I know, know it's a shock. I know we haven't talked about them much. The Western Kentucky Hilltoppers. The pride of the Commonwealth. Western Kentucky land 20 and a half against UT Martin. This is a number that hasn't popped up on many sports books yet because they're playing the Skyhawks from the FCS level of football. So this is probably a number that's going to pop up on game day. But UT Martin is picked to finish fourth 
in the Ohio Valley Conference. And a few little tidbits here. That really means that they're like fifth or sixth, because generally speaking, Jacksonville State, a perennial power, they've now moved out for a transitional year to the WAC. So when you look at the top of the OVC, you're talking Austin P, who's a top 15 program, Murray State, Southeast Missouri State, those three teams are really good. And then there's everybody else in the Ohio Valley. Now, UT Martin has some, some decent skill on their secondary, but other than that, I think they're going to be overmatched from a talent perspective. When you look at Western Kentucky beyond Bailey Zappi, Bailey Zappi, the Stern brothers, Ben Ratzlaff, there's so much in this passing game to get excited about. And you saw this number open at 13 and a half and immediately bubble up as soon as it came to legitimate sports books at 20 and a half. And I think the reason for that is that Sharps are excited to play the tops in their first game with this new look offense. I'm excited to see what the you know home field advantage looks like with the water tower looking down on the Houch. This is going to be an electric game. I'm excited for Western Kentucky and maybe I'm out in front of my skis and I should be, you know, doing what I just advocated for in UCF Boise, take a little time to, to see what it actually looks like, this finished product on the field. But I can't wait. I'm all in on this. I think they're going to roll by 35 plus in this game. What do you think about that play? Honestly, I'm going to take it just out of solidarity with you on the podcast. I know you're all about Bailey Zappi in Western Kentucky. So yeah, like, like you said, it, it's kind of hard to find right now, like, but when I'm able to, I will definitely be taking it with you just, just for the excitement factor. All right. Hit me with one of your favorite G5 bets of the week. You know, my favorite one is, is Marshall minus two and a half at Navy. This line is a little bit confusing to me, to be honest with you. You know, Marshall brings back conference USA freshman of the year, Grant Wells at quarterback. He was awesome last year. He kind of tailed off at the end, which makes me a little nervous, but I like him to bounce back. You know, he brings back leading wide receiver, Corey Gamage, all-conference tight end, Xavier Gaines. And obviously, Doc Holliday's gone. But I think Charles Huff is one of, if not the best head coaching hire of this cycle. You know, he he's so highly respected among in, in coaching circles. You know, he's the assistant head coach, running back coach at Bama for the last two years. Prior to that, he was at Mississippi State for one year. And then before that, he was Penn State's uh, running back coach for, for 14 to 18. That was, you know, the Saquon Barkley year, stuff like that his running backs never fumble the ball. You know, they really do a good job protecting the ball. He, he, he emphasizes that a lot, which just makes, you know, makes me feel good. And they're playing Navy. And obviously, you know, you look at the triple option, Marshall was dominant against the run last year. They were fourth in the country. They gave up just 95 rushing yards per game, 2.8 yards per carry. So this D line can handle that option. And, and being week one, you know, they've had all offseason essentially to prepare for the option. The defensive tackle Jamar Edwards is one of the best run blockers in the group of five, I love the move. They added uh, Penn state grad transfer Shane Simmons at defensive end. He started a few games for Penn state last year. He graduated, uh, followed Charles Huff here to Marshall. And then the thing with Navy is, you know, obviously everyone knows they're an option team. All they do is run the ball. They were horrible at running the ball last year. And for a team, that's that, that's all they do. That's a problem. They were 109th in rushing success last season. They ran three different quarterbacks throughout the year. None of them were able to execute the option. So their offensive line loses starters. They lose their top two uh, rushers from last year. I know, you know, service academies tend to reload quickly, but I just, you know, I don't trust their running game. It didn't work last year. Their quarterback's the same. Their defense got no pressure on the quarterback. So I, I think Grant Wells is going to be able to sit back in the pocket and just pick apart this Navy defense. I think the Marshall run uh, defense will be able to swallow up the triple option and like I mentioned earlier, Marshall started the year 7-0 and before dropping their last three games, including the conference championship to UAB. And I'm betting that does not sit well with them 
going into the offseason, knowing how good they were, losing their final three games. They lost their bowl game to Buffalo. I think they're going to be super motivated for this game. I think it matches up really well for them. And I, I like them to come out here and just, you know, really handle Navy with, with little difficulty. Generally just early in the season, because it is difficult to project year over year, the kind of improvements or letdowns with triple option teams, um, you know, by design, they're supposed to be a little bit more plug and play. Um, the fact that you have a game like this with Navy and Marshall, you also have army against uh, Georgia state, another short line, this is just an opportunity for me to see if Navy can write the ship, no pun intended, and get back to what they were consistently as a program. It's one of the reasons why you know, Ken's name is always floated in Power Five job openings, where it's like, you know, is a Kansas or a Vanderbilt going to go to the triple option? Are they going to bring him in? I have enough respect for him that this is a stay away from me. But in terms of the fundamentals, everything that you laid out, that Marshall team was very promising and young last year. So, so a lot to like, certainly. For my next play here for, for our best bets, under 58 in Texas against Louisiana, the Ragin' Cajuns headed to the 40 Acres. I, I brought up his name earlier, Pete Kwiatkowski. He's the new defensive coordinator at Texas. He has coached some incredible units going back to his Boise days, following Coach Pete you know, to Washington, and then coming over to this Texas team that is reloading. They have some new faces, particularly in their front seven. Where's the pressure going to come from? He's a defensive coordinator I respect greatly. And I think it's overstated a bit, Louisiana's offensive continuity. You know, they bring back so many starters. They bring back a quarterback who appears to be in his 10th year of eligibility. But to me, the best part of their offense was Elijah Mitchell and Trey Regas last year. And they're both gone. And they're up against a defensive coordinator who, you know, has been a Broyles finalist before. And I think he's going to be able to figure them out and keep this as a lower scoring game. And he's going to need to because Patrick Tony on the Louisiana side is an incredible defensive coordinator, and he's got a stacked deck. This is the best group of five defense, in my opinion. Pro Football Focus ranked them number eight coming into the season. Zion Hill anchors their defensive line, plus nine other starters. And eight of ULL's 11 games last year went under this number of 58. For that reason, I think this is going to be a very physical game. I look at Texas on the perimeter. They're breaking in a lot of new weapons at wide receiver. Bijan Robinson's incredible. But from a defensive game planning standpoint, I think Tony can really focus in on him. And for that reason, I think this is overpriced by about five or six points. I think there's that's where the value is. What do you think about under in a game that has caught a lot of national notoriety because UL has been public underdog? They opened at about 11 and 11 and a half. That's been bet down to eight. I think the values dried up you know, on the side or money line. How do you view this game between the Longhorns and the Cajuns? So I definitely agree with everything you said, and I, I like the under a lot. I don't know that I'm going to play it, but for basically a lot of the reasons you said, I love Texas in the spot. I think Louisiana is set super trendy underdog. And I think Texas is one of those teams where, you know, they're easy to make fun of, you know, though Texas is back and they always seem to be overhyped. And I think this year they're kind of being like people want texas to be bad they want texas to lose this game so i actually really like texas in the spot you know i hudson Carr, i think is really good I, like you already mentioned Bijan robinson i think their defense will be a lot better so it's already at eight you know i'll take it at eight i'm i'm, I'm waiting to hope it hits seven and it's, i'll take texas and lay the seven points with them all right hit me with one more best bet and then we're going to get into both our g5 money line underdog parlay and the brand new g5 high five round robin which is going to be exciting for our listeners uh, the other one I'll throw out is, is I like Charlotte plus six against Duke. Um, Charlotte's at home, you know, nice little home dog. I think Charlotte's going to have a bounce back here. You know, I'm a huge Will Healy fan. I love what he's doing. He's got, you know, club lit, 
is is bumping over there in Charlotte. The Charlotte 49ers. Is Will Healy, head coach of Charlotte. How much do you miss Club Lit? I am missing Club Lit a lot. Been working extremely hard on my dad bot. So look forward to being able to be back in there. A newly renovated Club Lit. They were hammered by COVID last year. It really affected them. They were one of the, the teams that, you know, got hit the hardest with it. They got Chris Reynolds back at QB. He, he looked good at times. J, uh, James Foster transferred in from AM to kind of compete for that job. I assume it'll still be Reynolds going forward, but I like having, you know, that P5 drop down backup just in case. Bring back four offensive line, beefed up their defensive line in the portal with a couple, you know, uh, Kofi Wardlow from Notre Dame, Joshua Bailey from Iowa State. So they, they have a couple of power five guys on the D line, which I really like. Duke was just really bad last year. They did stomp Charlotte, but, you know, they turned the ball over so much. They're starting a sophomore, which is 25 career pass attempts, 161 yards, no touchdowns, two picks in his career. So I'm going to back Will Healy and the Charlotte 49ers at home. I like getting the six points. Their team up probably looked to sprinkle money line as well. Give me Charlotte. I'm just, this is another example after you went through Navy where I have the respect for the head coach. Similar here in David Cutcliffe, I'm just not ready to throw dirt on him quite yet, particularly when you look at their their box score last year. They beat the Charlotte team 53-19. That'd be a, a pretty big you know, differential in terms of performance to flip it around in one year. But you bring up a lot of good points, particularly on the defensive line. They were one of the major beneficiaries at the G5 level to bring in some serious power five talent. So I, I'm wishing you the best of luck. I just think, you know, fading Cutcliffe and this, this Duke team is going to be a very popular move after what they put on tape last year. Um, and maybe it's just a sentimental perspective for me, but I, I want to see him finish out his career, at least bringing them back to the verge of bowl eligibility and, and not getting pushed out the door or retiring because he just lost his touch. All right, we're going to get into now the G5 Moneyline Underdog Parlay of the Week. We're really excited about this. You know, for our listeners, using WinBet this particular week, taking two Moneyline Dogs, you're going to get north of 6-1. to This is our G5 Moneyline Underdog Parlay. It's time for the Moneyline Parlay. I'm going to let you go first, INLO, and then I'm going to come in over the top with my pick. Yeah, for mine, I'm going to give Nevada plus 140 against Cal. Carson Strong is going to be the best quarterback in this game. I only refer to Carson Strong as Carson So Strong. And when you're taking a you know money line underdog, I always kind of like to have the best quarterback playing to get the, the upset. You know, Mount West player of the year last year, he'll, he'll get talks for first round pick, brings back all of his weapons, you know, all Mountain West wide receiver Romeo Dubs and tight end Cole Turner, who they're, they're, you know, they bring back their top seven pass catchers. Defense brings back nine starters. They added a pair of corners from the portal to really help boost that pass defense. Uh, a huge thing with, you know, I, I think the spread of this is what three at the time. They have the best kicker in the conference. That's always a plus when you need a cut, when you have that field goal as the kicker, you know, pun intended, you know, Brando Talton is, is, is helpful. And you look at Cal last year, I know it's a small sample size, so it's hard to see what you read into it. They were 124th in defensive passing success rate last year. 124th. They played UCLA, Oregon State, Stanford, and Oregon. Now they have to go against Carson Strong. I like Nevada to get the upset, so I'll play them plus 140 on the money line against Cal. I'm really glad you brought up the special teams edge that Nevada has in this game because nothing is worse than picking out a live dog and then that element of the game lets you down. Not only is Brandon Talton 
just ice in his veins. Kicker had some game winners last year. Game winner actually in his very first game kicking for them. But then you look at their punter, you know, Julian Diaz. He's someone who averaged close to 47 yards per punt. And then Dubes is a dynamic punt returner. And if it comes down to it, that, that differentiator to put them over the top. All right. So as I mentioned, teased it, win bet. When you add in my money line play, this is going to pay out at north of six to one. UTSA, the Roadrunners. I know Colin Wilson's ears just perked up. Meep, meep. The UTSA Roadrunners. Meep, meep. I'm all about this team. Plus 195 at Illinois. I was thrilled to see Illinois win a game against Nebraska, who they're just the Keystone Cops, just you know, fiddling for their keys, shooting themselves in the foot, weird safeties where they're throwing forward passes out of their own end zone. For all of that, I think it's just set up this illusion about this Illinois team. With Art Sikowski scheduled to make this start, I think this sets up perfectly for a UTSA team that's going to run the ball. And they're going to run against a team in Illinois that got pushed around in the second half against the Cornhuskers. It was a spot where Adrian Martinez goes for over 100 yards rushing, also kills them with a 75-yard touchdown run, almost got them back in the game. When you look at the Roadrunners, Frank Harris, third ranked by pro football focus in terms of quarterbacks that like to run the ball who returned to college football this year. Sincere McCormick, I think he could play his way into a second or third round NFL draft evaluation. That's how good he is and how explosive he is. And they're running in front of an offensive line that returns five starters, four of which who are seniors. And when I look back at their 2020, it wasn't just the games they won and they covered, but they also played two top 15 schools. They played BYU and Louisiana. They lost by a touchdown in each of those games. They were right on the cusp. And really, for me, this comes down to can Frank Harris help them take a baby step forward in the passing game? Sakari Franklin is more than capable of helping them get there if they're just a B minus or even a C plus in the passing game to complement this rushing attack. I think they're going to win this game. I think there's a chance they win it by double digits. This is one of those matchups where just because of the name that's that's on you know the Chiron at the bottom of the screen, you think to yourself, oh, Illinois is playing a weird directional school or small satellite campus of a major university. I'm going to go ahead and play, you know, the blue blood. I love the Roadrunners here. I think it does a nice job capping off our six to one parlay. And now as a quick reminder to our listeners, the Big Bets on Campus podcast is presented by WinBet Sportsbook, and they've got a great sign-up offer for you guys this season. New WinBet patrons who open an account and deposit $20 or more can make their first bet risk-free up to $1,000. That's right. If you open a new WinBet account, make a qualifying deposit, and place your first bet within 10 days, that bet is risk-free up to $1,000 in eligible states. $1,000! That's probably more than Ohio State quarterback Quinn Ewers is getting paid by Holy Kombucha this season. But to take advantage of this win bet offer, just click on the Action Network link in the episode description. Must be 21 or older to gamble. Know when to stop before you start. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. All right, let's get back to the show. Transitioning now to the brand new G5 High Five Round Robin. Every single week, we're going to give you five plays. Just a reminder to our audience, this is not something to back up the Brink trucks and unload on. What you want to do is, you know, diversify your weekly bets. This is something where if it hits huge payouts, you get four out of five, you're going to be in a nice spot to make a little bit of money. But certainly we want to give you the best of the best in this section. This is our G5 round robin, a.k.a. the G5 high five. This is the high five. Should we high five? High five! NC State minus 18 and a half against South Florida at home. Frankly, I'm confused. 
by this number. My power rankings had a 24 and a half point spread. Personally, I'm also playing this at 27 and a half on the alternate spread, getting in that plus 250, plus 275 range. NC State just has the goods. Defensively, they return 90% of their production. They have great playmakers at all three levels. And this is how deep I went in. This is not just for you, Ionello, this is for our listeners. I dialed into the weekly Zoom call with their defensive coordinator this week, and he was talking about how physical, how disruptive their defense has been in fall practice. And that's what I wanted to hear. Because coming out of last season, down the stretch, they cranked up the havoc. They played against Liberty, who is top 15 at the time. They beat him 15-14, eight tackles for loss, three interceptions, a blocked field goal to win that game. NC State's finally playing with that edge. And when you look at Devin Leary, who in his three starts last year, they go 3-0, 3-0 against the spread. Just a, a great opportunity for them to take that next step and to finally be in a conversation of if everything goes right, could they knock off a Clemson? I think that's where they are in terms of the roster. You know, Zonovan Bam Knight gives them an awesome playmaker on the offensive side. There's just a lot to love about this NC State team. And I think Leary is someone who finally puts it all together for them. He had three passing touchdowns that traveled over 25 yards in the air last season in his three starts. So I could rave for a while on this NC State team, but I think they're going to absolutely dump truck a USF team that got blitzed in their nine games last year, seven of which they gave up 34 points or more. I see a similar, you know, um, game plan that's going to be executed by NC state. And they're going to score a lot of points. What do you think about that first one? Yeah, I love it. You know, I'm on it too. I, I actually, if, if anybody read on the action network site um, this week, we, we posted our, our favorite win totals uh, for the season or the whole staff. NC state over six and a half is my favorite. I love this team. I love everything about it. I love their defense. They're bringing back the, Awesome linebackers, like you said, uh, getting uh, Leary back is huge. So I'm I'm right with there with you. I love this Wolfpack team. Quickly for my second one here for the G5 High Five, Texas A&M land 29 at Kyle Field. Kent State led the country in scoring last year, 49.8 points per game. Whoopee. <laughs> they did it in four games against two programs from the bottom five of all of college football. And when they finally played a team with a pulse last year, they play Buffalo on the road. They give up over 400 yards and eight rushing touchdowns to one player, Jared Patterson. This team is going to get just pushed around at the line of scrimmage. You look at the running back talent that AM has in this game, Isaiah Spiller and Devon Achain. Achain, if football doesn't work out for him, he could be an Olympic-style runner. That's how fast he is. So I'm seeing him get to the second level and really put some highlight plays together in this game. And then from a defensive perspective, they're right on the cusp of this wrecking crew defense of being a top five defense nationally. And Kent State coming in, yes, Dustin Crum put up some great numbers. He's a promising guy. He's you know functionally a dual threat, but he loses McCoy, who was his number one you know threat last year. I don't know if they have another guy like that who they're going to be able to fill in. Certainly not in a huge step-up opportunity like this talent-wise against a and I don't see it. I think they're going to struggle to score more than 17 points. And AM in this particular spot with Haynes King in his first start, I think they're going to give him an opportunity to really feel good about himself. I don't think they're going to take their foot off the accelerator. So I like the Aggies to run away with this one at home. Yeah, like like everything you said, that this one makes me a little more nervous than the other one, just because Sean Lewis is the type of coach that he's going to go a million miles an hour. He's going to be airing it out. He's going to, you know, play like he's trying to backdoor cover. So this is one of those games where the back door is going to be wide open the whole game, but for the sake of the show, I'll be rooting with you for, for Texas A&M to keep it closed. All right. Give me your two uh, here for the G five high five. 
Yeah. So I'm going to go my first one, kind of piggybacking on your money line uh, parlay. I'm taking the Roadrunners in this at plus five and a half. Also like the money line, but for the sake of this, I'll take them plus five and a half. Meep, meep. I, I bet them they'll win the conference. Love Sincere McCormick. Think Frank Harris takes a step back. Illinois is going to be, you know, a little overhyped because they beat Nebraska, who may turn out to be a dumpster fire. Martinez ran all over this, this Illinois team. So I think Harris and McCormick will do the same. You know, Stucky put out a really good piece uh, a couple of weeks ago on the Action Network about teams that haven't played yet playing against a team that has already played have covered the spread at a 55% clip. So, you know, that's something I like too, is UTSA has seen Illinois. They have tape on them. They have tape on Sikowski playing most of that game where, you know, Illinois doesn't have tape on this, this roadrunner team. So I, I love it. Just like you, I'm, I'm going to take them plus five and a half as my first high five play. Now you mentioned Marshall earlier. This is uh, a Marshall team that, had a young quarterback last year, seemed unfazed by that. He played really, really well as they raced out to, I believe it was a 7-0 start to their Conference USA season. Um, why do you like them so much here against Navy? Yeah, I just think, you know, this Marshall team, their their strength was their defensive front seven. They're, they were awesome against the run. They were one of the best in the country, you know, fourth in the country against the run. And then a Navy team who all they do is run was 109th in rushing success rate. They really struggled to execute the option. And I, you know, they're running back. They have their quarterback is, is, is back They're You know, they lost their top three rushers. So it just makes me a little nervous that they're going to be able to come out and execute this option against a Marshall team with a great front seven. They bring back, like you said, freshman of the year, Grant Wells at quarterback. And I, I think they should have no, I love the hire of Charles Huff. I think they should have no problem taking care of Navy and shutting down this option attack. To cap off the G five, high five uh, going with under 58 in Texas against Louisiana. It's, just my undying love for these two defensive coordinators. These guys, I, in my opinion, should be finalists for the Broyles Award if all goes right for them this season. Pete Kwiatkowski is an incredibly talented defensive coordinator. He, he kind of reminds me of one of those lifer DCs, those Mickey Andrews, those Brent Venables, where he's had some opportunities to jump ahead and be a head coach, but this is where he lives. This is what fires him up. And against a Louisiana team that got most of its explosive plays on the ground last year, I think he's going to be able to scheme them out of that and put a lot of pressure on Chris Smith, who was a, a nice to have offensively for them last year. He did more in special teams and kind of coming in as a scat back change of pace. Now he's the marked man. If Louisiana is going to score and score big in this game, they need him to run for about 150 yards. I just don't see it. And then Patrick Tony with the best group of five defense in the country, this raging Cajun team is loaded with starters, with experience, number eight in pro football focus, the preseason rankings for defense nationally. And something that I, I've mentioned before, eight of Louisiana's 11 games last year went under 58. I think this is another one. I think it's overpriced by close to a touchdown. So I'm happy to cap off the G5 high five with this under. So the quick rundown of the G5 high five for our listeners, NC State laying 18 and a half at home against South Florida, Texas A&M laying 29 against Kent State at Kyle Field. Under 58, Texas, Louisiana on the 40 acres down there in Austin. Marshall minus 140 against the midshipmen. And UTSA traveling to Champaign, catching five and a half against Brett Bielema and the Fighting Illini. All right, so we have our, our picks all together, the Moneyline Parlay, the G5 High Five. There's been a lot of synergy. I feel like there's been a, a bit of a mind meld. So I want to ask you first, is there any picks that you know you feel maybe be a, a bit controversial between the two of us? Give me an opportunity to chop you down a little bit. And if you have any other factoids that you'd love to drop on our listeners before we wrap up the show. 
just fascinated to hear what possible argument you could have for this. So, you know, looking at the lines and obviously there's a lot of, you know, power five, big spreads here, Baylor only laying 14 against Texas state seemed small to me. You know, this Texas state team was horrible last year. They, they were two and 10. Their defense was atrocious. They were the worst defense in the Sun Belt. Their offensive line was horrible. Baylor had a weird year. You know, they first year under Dave Aranda COVID year, didn't really get to practice a ton. They, they had a ton of COVID issues too, not only with them, but their opponents seemed to have COVID every other week. Baylor's bringing back their whole defense, which, you know, under Dave Aranda, you expect the defense to be good and take a big step forward. So I love that they're getting that back. And they brought in Jeff Grimes, who was the offensive coordinator at BYU to really help revamp this offense, which I love that move. You know, obviously they lose, uh, what's his face, Charlie Brewer to Utah. But, you know, Jerry Bohannon is their new starting quarterback. He's been in the system as the backup for the last two years. He's gotten plenty of playing time behind Brewer. So I don't expect a huge drop off there. Um, yeah. So I just think this Baylor team is a lot better than Texas state who stinks. So I'm, I'm very curious why you, what, what, what gives you optimism about Texas state? Now, when you say two and 10, they stink. That's their straight up record. I could care less. They went seven to five against the spread last year. They were in it with SMU, a single score game. They go up to Chestnut Hill. They almost knock off Bill Dracovic and the Boston college Eagles. This is a program on the rise, at least at the betting window. And when you look at what they did in the offseason, they brought in zero high schoolers. They bring back a ton of experience. The only guys they brought in were in the portal and JUCOs, grown men ready to go. I think this is a, a bear trap for Baylor. Now that it's crossed over 14, you want to check that number at WinBet. If you can get 14, it's a play on with Texas State. Love the Bobcats in this spot. So much so, I'll, I'll tell you this. If Baylor covers the number, I'll get you a, a Baylor helmet of your choice. They're kind of the Oregon of Texas, so they have like 75 different helmets. So you go ahead and pick the flavor you like. Yeah, I'll get you Texas State one if they win. I don't know if you have Texas State. I don't know if they even sell those, but if they do, I'll find one and mail it to you. Yeah, unfortunately, I had an order from uh, Shanghai, so it's somewhere on a boat in the Pacific, but it is on its way to me. I think there's an estimate estimated delivery date of October. So I would love, I mean, multiple Texas state helmets. Why not? They have some alternates floating around there. All right. You mentioned one little tidbit that you wanted to drop on us before we, we call it a show here. What do you got? Yeah, this is a perfect day to be recording because this is a historic day in history for the group of five. 14 years ago today, September 1st, 2007, Appalachian state upset number five, Michigan at the big house as 30 point underdogs. I think you could argue it's the biggest upset in college football, at least modern history. So I, I had to give a shout out to that because as you can see, when we have a ton of huge underdogs this week against power five teams, anything can happen with, with, with this, these group of five teams. So, so just, you know, be on the lookout for that. It's totally appropriate that you bring it up because in the intro music where, you know, they're laying out the college football world's been stunned. That was from App State knocking off Michigan. And Armonte Edwards, if you're listening to this, I still appreciate you. I certainly, you know, have the memory just seared in my mind, trying to find the Big Ten Network, running from apartment to apartment while I was in college, finally finding it and getting to watch the second half of that game. Not only was it an upset, sometimes you have games where the favorites, you know, they fumble things away. It was a prize fight. That game was fantastic. If you ever have, you know, a, an off-season spare summer day, where you're looking for something fun to watch, go rewatch that entire game. Wasn't Dexter Jackson? Was he the was he the star wide receiver for App State? He was so fast. I, I think he had a cup of coffee in the NFL with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, but he will live on forever, at least in our hearts here on the G5 Deep Dive as as one of the original OGs making making the magic happen and certainly making betters a lot of money on the money line in that one. 
All right, that'll do it for the G5 Deep Dive here on the Big Bets on Campus podcast presented by WinBet. And as a reminder, Stucky and Colin Wilson will have their week one college football betting preview episode out tomorrow. So get excited for that. Lots of content from the Big Bets on Campus podcast, including a weekly segment with Brett McMurphy, who is new to our team. Mr. Sources himself. Don't miss it.